This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to our special guest interview for today. And I have with me the wonderful professor and doctor and academia legend himself, Anton Lewis. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Now, how does one address somebody like you? You have so many qualifications and, and letters after your name, Anton. How do we address you? Anton is is, is fine. How uh, humble I, you are. <laughs> no, no, I make the students call me professor. And uh, I'm not one uh, to be particularly big on all these kind of doctors or professors. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more humble about things, I, I think. We love that. Now, for people that haven't come across you, just give us a little flavor of your background and your areas of passion. Well, Rob, as you might have heard from my accent, although I reside at Valparaiso University, Indiana, in the United States, I'm actually, I'm a Yorkshire lad at heart. I'm originally from Halifax in West Yorkshire, and by hook and by crook, uh, I've ended up in the United States with, with my beautiful wife. I'm an accounting professor in uh, the state of uh, Indiana, and my research area is the area of race and accounting, asking a simple question both in Britain and the United States, why don't we see in Britain more black British accountants? And in America, why don't we see more African-American accountants? And that's really my my bag, so to speak. It's a fascinating topic and diversity comes up a lot now. It's more on people's agenda. We hear critical risk there and all kinds of things. So we're going to dive this into this with you as an expert. So let's start off with that question. Why do we have so few black accountants? Give us some statistics and context, Anton. Uh, to give you some statistics, at least here uh, in the uh, United States, the AICPA, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, uh, they, in their 2019 trends report, basically said that of the many CPAs in the United States, around 2% were African-American and 1% are partners. Now, if we go all the way back to something like 1997, there is an academic called Professor Teresa Hammond who wrote a, a really seminal book about the history of African-American accounting, uh, the white-collar profession. She cited data in that 2002 book relating to uh, 1997, and the figures for qualified African-American CPAs was less than 1%. I've given you those two comparisons to, to, to highlight. Between that time, we just haven't had the level of progress that we should. And uh, to put it in within uh, the context of the United Kingdom, we can't get that data. That data doesn't actually exist wholesale in the United Kingdom. We don't actually measure those metrics. 
the best we can get is circumstantial. You surprise me because there is rhetoric at least, but certainly some statistics on, say, football managers that are black and members of boardrooms that are female and possibly black too. So this whole diversity inclusion thing is on the agenda. I'm surprised we haven't got stats for black accountants in the UK. Maybe the the US is more woke than we are, might we say. Well, in some ways, yes. But part of the problem around this in the United Kingdom and to an extent in the United States traditionally has been the very concept of diversity. If you really step aside from them and think, what do we mean by diversity? Diversity actually encapsulates many different areas. So are we talking about, as we might say uh, in Britain to use the black and minority ethnic, BME? Are we talking in uh, the United Kingdom about those who are Asian? Are we talking about gender, about women? Are we talking about those from a class background? I could go on, you know, members of our LGBTQ plus community. And because you can, in some ways, be very successful, and, and certain accountancy firms have been very successful in previous years in reporting diversity metrics that have looked great. It's just been metrics that have reported many more women going up and through the accounting arena than have been Black, British or African-Americans who are either men or women. And we haven't separated out that data. And it's allowed that data to be hidden. And with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and with the unfortunate passing of Mr. George Floyd, there have been demands for actual clarification on that data. And that's where we begin to see a lot of accountancy firms not report that, certainly that I can see in the United Kingdom. Funnily enough, there is one slight separation to that. Well, well, maybe two. Over the last few years, from say maybe 2015, 2016, we've had some pay gap reporting that has reported some of this. But again, a lot of the pay gap reporting is around this notion of B-A-M-E, Black and Minority Ethnic, or B-M-E, as I've just defined it, which, I mean, that could easily include a white Croatian, which would be uh, very different from, say, a Black British uh, Afro-Caribbean heritage individual with differing experiences. And when we look at accounting as a profession, there's that mantra of stale, white, pale, old, baby boomers, white, middle-aged, privileged men ruling the roost, ruling the accounting profession. It's definitely been a man's game, an older man's game, maybe a white man's game. It sounds nonsense, but it's the case, isn't it? Obviously, we've got the stats to prove it. Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's true. Your eyes do not deceive you. The real question is why. We are not new to this game of trying to work out why we have such low representation, whether it be in the United Kingdom or the United States. If you take, again, the AICPA, I believe there's data relating to 1969, a report off the back of lots of action within the civil rights movement, a statement produced by the IICPA that said, we will look to make sure that there is proportional representation of African-Americans in our accounting profession. And decades and decades later, we've had no movement. The real question is why? Why does that exist? And There are a multitude of suggestions as to why that's the case, but no firm, real research answers to that particular point. Is the simple answer, Anton, that there is racism in the accounting profession? It's hard not to escape that. And that's a bitter pill, really, Rob, for the profession that we love. But let me put this to you. If we accept that in the United Kingdom, we've had actions such as the Windrush scandal, 
We have had Black Lives Matter movements in the United States. We've had the same Black Lives Matter movement. We've had the passing of Mr. George Floyd. We have had multiple shootings within our society. We live in racialized societies. Our institutions within accounting exist in that society. So really, Rob, one of two things has happened. Either accounting has got it right. We have got this right. And a lot of the stuff around this is a bit of a mistake. And if that's the case, we should tell everybody we've got the solution. If we're not right, and we don't have the solution, then we need to look at cleaning our own house out. Nobody else can do this for us. We have to admit, first of all, that institutionalized racism, like society, exists within our walls. And then we have to set about dealing with this blight, if you will, in a systemic, systematic kind of way. I wonder if accounting as a profession is isolated. I'm a committed Christian. This talk about uh, racism in church, white privilege in church, the majority of leaders in church are male and white. There must be other professions where this is happening also, or is accounting an isolated? Not at all, not at all. And as I stated earlier, we have to deal with our own patch. It's our house. It is our responsibility to deal with this. But within the house of the law, just look around to see the number of, again, to use that term, black and minority ethnic. It's a terrible term, by the way. I don't like using it, but it's one that we know of. I mean, how many South Asian judges do you see? How many from black African, African Caribbean heritage? We could go on. You actually don't see them. And you actually don't see QCs, Queen's Councils uh, in the UK. And what's interesting, the same paucity of professions is seen across the Atlantic in kind of strangely proportional numbers in the United States. We don't see anywhere near enough attorneys. Now we see more than we have in accounting, but not much more. Why? It's the same thing in engineering. It's the same thing in the tech industry. Now the tech industry is really interesting because it sells itself on its meritocratic credentials. It sells itself on its idea that they're, they're more woke to use the term that you have used, Rob. Apart from the fact that we've just had a Me Too movement in Silicon Valley in the United States that basically says, you know, women are actually marginalized. We really haven't even got to grips the lack of racial representation, read people of color in tech in the United States. So CRT comes to the forefront of this conversation, Anton. There'll be listeners that are not familiar with the phrase, the term. So can you uh, talk to us like we're five-year-olds in a lovely way <laughs> and explain what CRT is all about and what it's doing in a field like accounting? Yes, critical race theory is, uh, is, is the term. Critical race theory basically says one simple thing. It kind of says, let's be honest. Let's say that race really does matter in our society and has done for a very long time. Within the United States, we can draw that way of thinking right back to the reality of slavery occurring at the foundation of the country. Within the United Kingdom, we can draw back right through to the reality that much of Britain's wealth was founded on slavery as well. With the slave plantations in the British West Indies, we, we've seen a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement rip monuments to many uh, esteemed 18th century slavery pioneers who have uh, profited from this. Critical race theory basically states that hasn't gone away. It's in our society and it's in our institutions. Let's not pretend it doesn't exist when it does, because it is, it is affecting the life chances of people of color in both lands. That's really what it says at base. It doesn't say, and I need to be really clear about this because there's been a lot of argument against critical race theory. It doesn't say we hate white people. 
It doesn't say this is a new racism where we accuse people who had nothing to do with the slave trade of being racist in the past and bringing it today in a really unfair manner. It doesn't say those things. If CRT says anything, Rob, it says if we're going to accept that race has and continues to play a central role in our society, we need to talk about it. We need to do what we're doing here. So so for any of your listeners out there, the very fact that they're listening to uh, your podcast on this particular subject is a step forward in the CRT way of thinking and way of being. So is CRT dangerous? Is it divisive? Does it help? Only in the way that if we are looking to make true progress, be it technologically, be it socially, we have to engage in danger. Because danger is really challenged to the status quo. And we're already adamant that we want the status quo to change, or at least most of us do. And in that regard, you have to have tools that are theoretical that will push us into uncomfortable situations. But unless we're uncomfortable, one may add, are we truly learning? Are we truly changing? And the accounting profession, I don't know how introspective it is in looking at itself. We've had the recent racism stories with cricket here in the UK. You'll have been following that story with Yorkshire Cricket Club. And everybody looks on and says, well, my house is in order. There's not a problem here, but we can cast aspersions over there where it's not working right. They've been outed. So accounting has race and racism in its past. We're admitting that. It's there every day. Why should we care about it? What's the big deal? Things seem to be working fine as they are. For whom is the big question? It's about the status quo. If you are, as you've used the term, stale, pale, and male, (laughs) actually things things are fine for you. Yes. One of the, the challenging things, the threat that you mentioned earlier to CRT and other race theoretical constructs, uh, other models, they essentially pose a really interesting question that isn't just racialized, it's also actually gendered and classed. It says, if you truly believe meritocracy, I can barely say the word, (laughs) you really believe in the impartiality of our profession, and it is what our profession is predicated upon in many ways, then we will have to challenge those at the very top of our profession to step aside. And who on earth is going to do that? Why should they? You're going to have to move aside. It disrupts the status quo and there's a vested interest in keeping things as they are, which is ruled by the white privilege. Exactly. And then you become, you get into this catch-22 situation. How can you foster change without fostering change, right? And we've been quite successful up to this moment. But in some ways, again, I use that phrase, your eyes don't deceive you. If we are not changing at the top, if we're not changing in the middle in terms of our professional stratification within accounting, then we're not changing enough. We simply have to ask ourselves the question, how do we persuade those at the top to move aside? How do we persuade those pale and stale and male partners to move to the side to allow others of difference? And I'm not just talking here about racialized others. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about people from poorer socioeconomic backgrounds in the north of England, uh, from Appalachia in the United States. I'm talking about our brothers and sisters from the LGBTQ plus community, and we go on. A common misconception, just to go back to CRT for a moment, Rob, is that it purely looks at race. That is not correct. We will not get 
any significant change in the racial makeup in our profession unless we look at the interconnections of race with gender issues that exist there, that we don't have enough women in accounting either, that we don't have uh, enough individuals from working class backgrounds in our profession, that we don't have enough members from the LGBTQ plus community. There is an intersection of inequities that exist, that if we deal with race, we must deal with all the rest as well. We have got our work cut out. And if I'm a very comfortable partner in a law firm and you ask me to make way and yield power and privilege and wealth, then I'm uncomfortable with that, obviously, because there's a sacrifice on my part. But I'm asking myself the question, make way for whom or for what? Are there young black professionals banging on the door, wanting to come through, showing their credentials and, and read females for that or Asian accountants? Is there the the succession plan in place? I mean, that's part and parcel of it, isn't it? We're dealing with a situation that has been hundreds of years in the making. There is no quick fix. Anybody telling you that this is a quick fix is lying, yeah? And no amount of money that we can throw. And to be fair, uh, Deloitte, as an example in the United States, uh, has been very generous in putting 75 million to some of its diversity, equity and inclusion plans specifically aimed at getting more African-Americans into the profession. And certainly around some of my writings uh, in this area, I've commended them upon this and highlighted that this is probably the thing to do. But to be careful, because you know, the reality is 75 million isn't going to be enough. In uh, 2021, Fortune magazine reported that something approaching a billion dollars was promised by blue chip companies across America. Much of that hasn't been realized yet because, you know, we've not been monitoring what they're actually doing. But even so, this probably won't fix a problem that is so entrenched and deep in its hundreds of years in, in, in the making. So we have to be honest about how long this is going to take the amount of consistency and application we are going to have to put to it. And the simple fact that we do this as an article of faith, because we want a better society, we want a better profession. We believe in the rightness and the goodness of our profession to be better, to want better. That is the reason I push. It's such a great platform and a cause that you're behind. And I'd love to get you back on the show to go into it a little bit deeper because we just seem to be touching the surface. I read an article recently in Accounting Today about the National Association of Black Accountants and the strategic alliance that they forged with the diverse organization of firms. So there are movements afoot to address this. There is collaboration, there is consensus, maybe even from one side of the argument, but things are happening, aren't they? Yes, that's that's correct, uh, Rob. And let me say, I, I'm more than happy to come back and talk about this, as you might well imagine. And you're right. Uh, a lot of this can sound quite negative, and it isn't negative. I, I like to think of uh, of it as not negativity, but realistic. Let's be realistic about, about the situation. So you've mentioned in the United States, the National Association of Black Accountants. We have a nascent uh, National Association of Black Accountants as well in the United Kingdom, uh, not as um, big or as well established, but it does exist. Uh, I've had some dealings with NABA, as they call them in the United States, and they do a great job. There are several chapters in major cities. Uh, there is another organization that you might not have heard of called the PhD Project, started in 1995 by KPMG in the United States, which has, as I remember, contributed more accounting professors in the United States than any other organization, fully funded 
minority professors. So it started out, I think, to begin with, with African-American, then spread to all people of color. And they have done excellent work over decades at beginning to populate business schools with accounting professors, but not just accounting professors, professors of business of all types. There are many PhD project candidates, and they've been doing a great job. But having said all that, it's still not enough. There are no quick solutions, as you hinted, but what questions should accounting firm leaders be asking themselves to at least acknowledge that there may be an issue here? Talk, as we're doing here. The first step is dialogue. Look around you and be honest. Do we have an issue? Do we have a problem? If you look around your workplace and really don't see any real difference, if you're not seeing black accountants, if you're not seeing um, women accountants, if you're not seeing those from working class backgrounds of difference, then we've got an issue, particularly, again, with my uh, particular area. It, it can mean that if you're actually a, a black accountant making your way through and you're the only one in the company or one of two, what that says, and we call this an environmental microaggression, it says without anybody saying anything, nobody's being nasty to you, nobody's really talking to you in that way, you don't belong. You don't belong because you don't see yourself there. And if you witness that as a dominant majority white accountant, white male accountant, for example, ask yourself the question. I should be very clear here. You know, in many ways, we often couch this in racialized terms, them and us. I want to be very clear about something. No matter what strife we have had in um, the issue in terms of the emancipation of slavery, whether we're talking about civil rights, whether we're talking about some of the racialized progress made in the United Kingdom with Toxford riots, all along, each time, every time, there have been white allies there each step of the way, fighting, defending, challenging. And whether it's the black British community or the African-American community, we recognize this. So in many ways, I actually call on those who want to think about this, to think about it in terms of allyship, in terms of wanting to do the right thing within your profession. It's all too easy to think to ourselves, we can do nothing. You can do something. It can be a nod. It can be a talk. And the other side of this is, who are these accountants serving? In the business community, entrepreneurs, the business owners, the clients of accounting firms, are they equally misrepresented or underrepresented? Because if there were lots of black business owners, they would be pushing the agenda for more black business advisors to look after them. And again, you raise an excellent point, Rob. If we had more black CEOs across the board, they would push for this and there would be a reason for many of the larger mid-tier accounting firms to populate their audit teams, for example, with much more difference, for want of a better word. And so one can argue that some of that is changing. For example, now accounting is very much a global concern. And if you've got a firm in India, you maybe should have some difference within your teams doing assurance work there or, or whatever. But there is a problem because that is an argument that's been used to date as the business case for diversity, as they call it. And that's usually this idea that there is the sensible business logic around doing this. There is a problem with that. And the problem is, was witnessed in the Trump presidency, where uh, an edict came from um, President Trump that uh, white privilege, implicit bias, critical race theory was seen to be anti-American, divisive, harmful, teaching predominantly white Americans to hate themselves and hate their country. And he effectively banned all teachings of white privilege, implicit bias, uh, trainings, uh, uh, critical race theory trainings from 
any contractors looking to engage in federal work. And this was the tone that was set just at the end of his presidency. And had he won, this would have continued. And the important thing here, Rob, is to highlight at that point, if you're trying, if you're an accounting firm looking to get a federal contract for doing some kind of governmental accounting, then the business case is to actually reject diversity training, reject critical race theory, reject um, implicit bias, bias training. So it has to be more than that. Even if it hurts your firm, even if it hurts um, to engage in this, as we mentioned earlier about pain, we must do it anyway because it's the right thing to do and we want to be on the right side of history for want of a better word. Amen to that. It's a fascinating topic and I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you back and finding out how you became a qualified pastry chef and, and lots of other things. <laughs> uh, but tell us real quickly about your podcast, Counting Black and White Beans. Thank you very much, Rob. Yes. Uh, in my podcast, Counting Black and White Beans, which can be found on Spotify if you do a bit of a search on there, um, I talk about this stuff. If you're prepared to listen to me warble on some more, I go into the nitty gritty of things like um, why we don't have enough black partners in our uh, accountancy firms. What is white privilege? We've used that term. We haven't really actually examined what it is. Uh, what are microaggressions? We, we hear about these terms and what are they in relation to our accounting profession? And I continue to ask many of the questions that you have correctly brought up. And the idea behind this is to foster a dialogue. We talk about these things without really understanding what we're talking about. And I want to engage in dialogue because I truly believe if we are going to rectify any of this in any meaningful way, Rob, we have to do it together. This has been terrific, Anton. If people would like to have a conversation with you, find out more about the great stuff that you're doing and sharing, what's a good way for them to reach you? Um, a good way is to uh, reach out on LinkedIn under Dr. Anton Lewis. I'm, I'm lurking around there. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, if you type uh, my name under Dr. Anton Lewis as well, uh, you can find me lurking around on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm, I'm usually around if you Google my name with um, racism and accounting, you'll find me. I'm there. My articles are there. Or you can, of course, contact me uh, directly. I work at Valparaiso University, Indiana. If you're burning with an issue to talk to me, anton.lewis at valpo.edu is a more direct way of contacting me. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody and everybody about this sort of thing. Great. It's been wonderful having you on. And leave us, Anton, for the last 60 seconds or so with a call to arms for the accounting profession to put its house in order and right some wrongs. What would you say? Let's do the right thing. We know what we see every day when we go into work. I started this venture because as a young accountant going through my journey in the north of England, I worked in many differing firms. I asked myself the simple question, why am I the only one here? I shouldn't be. Why is that? And why is it so difficult for me to progress? That was what put me on the path to doing this doctoral research, to writing papers and going down this path. It's not fair. And I know our profession can be better than that. And I know the accountants within that want to do and be better. And we can do it, but we can only do it together. So let's do it together. That's so thought-provoking. It's been such a privilege to have you as a guest today, and we look forward to the next interview. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. Thank you very much, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. And a big shout-out to one of our newest commercial partners, it's Practice Ignition. How would you explain what those guys do? Businesses such as accounting and bookkeeping firms use Practice Ignition to, one, help them grow, 
two be more efficient, and three create win-win client relationships. How global are these guys? There are nearly 5,000 accounting and professional services firms around the world who use practice ignition, and they do so to win new business with impressive digital proposals. They engage clients with a clear scope of work and get paid on time by automating payment collection. PI integrates with the leading business apps such as Gusto, QuickBooks, Xero, Zapier, and it does so to automate time-consuming tasks, allowing the practitioner to run their practice on autopilot and automate time-consuming tasks such as client onboarding or invoicing. 91% of their customers spend less time creating proposals and chasing signatures and payments. 87% were able to cancel other software subscriptions and 80% are fewer or no unpaid invoices at any given time. That's amazing. So if you're in the US, we'd say, say hello to zero account receivable. If you're in the UK, we'd say impressions that last payments made fast. And if you're in Australia, we'd say first impressions that win new business every time. For the entire world, the bottom line is that you can get to use PI right now. We've got a special offer from our PI partners. Use the code AIR21 to receive 25% of all plans for your first six months info.ignitionapp.com forward slash AIP for accounting influencers.